Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. Today, we examine the debated status of Asian Americans with some fellow minorities attempting to label them as white adjacent or non-minority due to their success as a group in American society today. Vietnam-born Hung Cao is Exhibit A. The status of Asian Americans is much debated today, a minority in the U.S. yet increasingly viewed by fellow minorities as if they're not. They're carved out of routine discussions about minorities sometimes, and they're sometimes left out of traditional minority initiatives. In fact, the Brookings Institution think tank says Asians are virtually invisible in some facets of society, with only two states, by the way, recently requiring Asian American history in public schools. They're the only racial group of adults that is majority foreign-born, 71%, yet they are incredibly successful. Asian Americans are more educated than the general U.S. population, more satisfied with their lives. They place a greater value on marriage, parenthood, hard work, and career success, and they earn far more, according to the 2020 Census and Pew Research Survey. Today, we're going to hear from a man named Hung Kao, a Vietnam-born U.S. citizen and patriot who retired from the Navy about a year ago and is now a defense contractor, but also a key voice in this fascinating American discussion. Here's Hung Cao. Okay, I was uh, born in Vietnam. We left there in 1975. We came here, but my dad couldn't find work here, so we moved to Africa. So I I grew up in West Africa, in Niger, uh, in um, then uh, we moved back here when I was 12. My parents had to make that hard decision because I hadn't. I went to French schools my whole life, and so I didn't speak any English. So my mom brought us back here. My dad stayed over there and just came back and visited us every six months for the next 15 years. And um, so I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia in Annandale. I went to Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. I was first class to graduate from there. I went to the United States Naval Academy. I went to. Uh, I got my master's in physics from Naval Postgraduate School. I was a uh, fellow at uh, MIT and Harvard, but then I did 25 years in special operations as a commissioned officer. It's quite a career. <laughs> it's it's all t- smoke and mirrors, really. <laughs> Can you give us a little, for people who aren't familiar with Thomas Jefferson, set up what kind of school that is and how you came to be admitted, what that education was like? Yeah, so uh, Thomas Jefferson was a magnet school. It's a, uh, one of the first of its kind, and it was uh, in, in Virginia, first of its kind in Virginia. and so. Uh, it's where they pulled in kids from all around the, the uh, it wasn't even the county, it was all around the surrounding counties of North Virginia. So even Loudoun County where we live now, kids would be bussed in uh, and it would take them about an hour to, to get to school, if not more, an hour, an hour and a half. But it was where they brought the, breast in, the they, they brought in the best and brightest uh, out of the, the region to this brand new school where, you know, education and science, technology, engineering, math was the the forefront of education. So uh, we had uh, a lot of computers that were donated from large companies and we were just exposed to so much new high technology and the, the innovation that was going on in this country at the time. What year was that? Uh, so my class was the first class and we came in 1985 and we graduated in 1989. When you were at school there, what was the approximate proportion of Asian and non-Asian or Asian black and white kids if you know? Well, uh, traditionally, it's about 73% Asian, and then uh, you know, after 
uh, just in the last couple of years when they changed the entrance requirement from a meritocracy uh, to now, you know, spe uh, specific targeting demographics. It went from 73% to 53%. And what were the admission requirements? Do you remember what you had to do to get in? I remember, yeah, it was a big, long test that we had to take. Uh, I couldn't, let's see, yeah, I, I didn't, um, I can't remember. It's been, gosh, it's been 35, 40 years now. Um, no, I guess 35 years. I, I need to do, I should be better at math, right? Okay. No, no, it's uh, 35 years ago, and so the uh, entrance requirement was just a, a big test, and then I think they went through your entire record, uh, see what you did. Uh, I mean, they really didn't care about the sports, but it's also your extracurricular activity and, and uh, what you did for, uh, um, for community service, too. Thomas Jefferson went on to become, year after year, a top, rated a top school in the country. Yes. Top high school. Can you set up what the controversy has been in the last couple of years? So in the last couple of years, uh, the Fairfax County Public School um, Board uh, changed the entrance requirement uh, from, like I said, from meritocracy, uh, where, where the best and the brightest come in to targeting specific um, de uh, demographics, or they, they really look at the uh, areas, and so from that they're able to pick out the demographics they want to bring in. Why did they say they were doing that? They said it wasn't diverse enough. Again, a school with 73% Asians, they, they felt it was not diverse enough. What's your take on that? I mean, it's uh, that's kind of the root of Asian hate, right? I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely prejudice. I mean, just holding people back based on, on um, their, their ethnic background because they think certain uh, ethnic groups are more, um, I guess, uh, more prone to, to, to get into that school than others. How do you feel about that? Why do you think those who got into Thomas Jefferson predominantly were Asian? Um, you know, we didn't concentrate that much on sports in my family. My, uh, again, as a refugee from Vietnam, my parents uh, taught us at an early age that money and posi position in life can be taken away, but uh, education and knowledge is forever. And so that's what they pushed in our family is to, to strive for, for excellence in academic, uh, academia because that's what's going to bring us uh, you know, out of poverty, that's what's gonna bring us up. I mean, we left Vietnam with nothing. We had no money, uh, just the shirts on our back and one suitcase. So is it your take that the Asian culture here in America, maybe the reason they excel at certain things is because they simply work harder? What is your take on why the Thomas Jefferson population was like that? It's not that they work harder. Everybody works harder, but it's just what we're focusing on. And so for the Asian community, education was the most important thing them and other other uh, uh, other communities maybe it's it's the sports or uh, or you know just hands-on uh, workmanship but for the Asian community is all about education and I could be correct me if I'm wrong but the change in Thomas Jefferson wasn't necessarily about just getting fewer Asians or more whites it was specifically targeted toward getting more african-american kids in I I'm not sure about that uh, what they're they wanted to do uh, with with changing the entrance requirement, but it, it does seem like they were targeting specific uh, minority groups. So as a graduate of the first class, what's your take on that? Well, you know, um, there, there are brilliant people that came in my class. I mean, half the, my class, you address them as doctor. And so um, I, I remember some of the brightest guys uh, in my class. One, uh, his name is Billy Nash, Bill Nash. 
He was our class president. He was a captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, captain of the baseball team. African-American guy, went to the United States Naval Academy with me. He was a submarine officer, and now he's uh, you know, an executive at a company. He, we thought he was going to be the president of the United States. You know, he's got that winning smile. He just he was the whole package. Um, another guy, uh, M- Mark Reese, who I grew up with, uh, went to mi- uh, middle school, which, uh, which uh, incidentally, it's um, Glasgow Intermediate, which uh, you saw recently in the news. That's the school where they kept a uh, sex offender, a convicted sex offender, on, on the uh, payroll for two years. And he's, Mark and I went to Glasgow Intermediate and then went to Thomas Jefferson. He went to Morehouse. He's a, a senior vice president of the company. I mean, these are brilliant people. And so we just need, uh, you know, iron to sharpen iron. We bring in brilliant people and they're just going to push each other. I actually feel like I'm, I didn't belong there because these guys were so, um, so smart compared to me. But what do you think about the changes? Thomas Jefferson High School, is it going, it's probably not going to be known the same way as it has been in the past if the entrance requirements are different and the whole standard is different. Yes, so the problem is is when we came in, there was a baseline that you had to meet. Um, everybody had to be, uh, had already taken algebra because the idea was for everybody to graduate taking calculus, if not differential equations. But when you're coming in below the algebra level, now you're spending the entire time trying to catch up, and it's impossible to catch up at that level. You have to start at a certain baseline in order to, to come all the way up. Just like not every kid comes in playing sports should go straight to varsity. Uh, there's certain kids that may just stay JV the whole lives. You know, it's just, again, it's meritocracy. And so do you think that's a negative development, or is it just something that's modern times that's okay? No, it's, it's definitely it's brought down the school because they can't achieve the same levels they were used to achieving because we're, we're only as, as fast as our slowest person. Much more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of cool products. A lot of them make great gifts that feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Cheryl Ackeson Ion Awards for off-narrative, accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckeson.com and click the store tab. Okay, in the big picture, you look at our society and there is... um, a lot of attention toward making sure that there's equities, particularly for minority populations, but it seems as though in some instances, Asians are set aside into a different category. How would you describe that and what what's your comments on it? There's, there's two parts to that. The first thing is I hate the word equity. It sounds very similar to equality, right? Equality means everybody starts the same level and that's where we should all start. We should start at the same level. Equity means everybody stops, uh, ends at the same level. And you know, look at me. I'll never win. You know, I'll never go to the NBA or go to the NFL. You know, I'm just too handsome for that. <laughs> but it's, no, just kidding. No, um, it's just not how God created me. And so, uh, you know, equality. Uh, this is where the left tries to put in that socialist uh, agenda of equity because it sounds very similar to equality, but it's not the same thing. So the Asian community, because we don't meet the the narrative of the minorities who need help, they won't call us 
minorities anymore. They start using other names like white adjacent. You know, and it's, again, I mean, I'm usually the only person like me in, in, uh, in a room where I go into, for example, in special operations, for the longest time I was the most senior officer who was a minority. Uh, you know, it was predominantly because uh, it was a lot of diving and, and, uh, and parachuting. I was usually the, the only um, non-white person in the room. And so to call me something other than a minority, it's, it's kind of insulting. You know, it's just uh, a minority is somebody that's not in part of the majority, right? And so to call me white adjacent is uh, rather insulting. You know, so, you know, what do you do? You go to Home Depot and you look on the, the paint aisle and you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm more off-white off or eggshell colored, right? Mm -hmm. I had not heard that term till you said it, white adjacent. When did you hear it? Do you remember where you heard, first heard it being used? And in what context? Oh, it's uh, when the, um, the left is trying to attack us by calling us something other than what we are, you know, they, uh, because they don't want to use the term minorities because, like I said, it doesn't meet their narrative. So they'll make up terms like white adjacent. And they start calling us names, right? That's, that's what they try to do. It starts with the President of the United States calling uh, the people that didn't vote for him as uh, MAGA, MAGA Republicans or whatever. I mean, I, and, and then you call people white adjacent or extremist, I'm being called now an extremist, you know, and so, you know, where else have you heard that, uh, that term being called? I mean, that's why the Muslim community is very worried about being called, uh, you know, the Islamophobia. Well, it starts with being called extremist. And so now you're calling, you know, an Asian American who, who grew up in Africa, you know, um, and again, I grew up in a Buddhist family in a Muslim country, and I became a Christian at uh, the age of 20, and now they're also calling me a Christian fascist. You know, it's just calling names in order to, to really um, pu push me aside and, and, and discard me. That's, that's where I see that the left is going with these name callings. If we're looking at a story on the special place that Asian Americans have been given, I just want to get any more reflections you have on this. For example, um, you said you came to this country not speaking English, and yet you were able to speak English, find opportunity, make your own way. At the same time, there are people arguing that's not possible in this country for minorities. You know, so how do you grapple with the treatment? I think I'm thinking of calling the piece the forgotten minority. Um, what are your reflections on that? You know, America gives you this ladder of opportunity, but you still have to climb up yourself. The climb is hard, but there's a lot of people to hold and steady that ladder for you, but you have to make it up yourself. You have to have that inner will and that, that, that desire to push yourself up. And it's everything from assimilating or, or learning to speak without a, an accent. I mean, there's a lot of hard things. I, I Coming back here and learning the language at the age of 12 and kids making fun of me because, you know, I, I, I look at things differently or I pronounce things differently. Even at the Naval Academy, there was times where, you know, uh, I knew there was an upper class I got mad because I didn't know football. You know, I, I didn't, I never really watched football. And so, you know, he's, he, I, I couldn't tell you what, a, a, at the time, I couldn't tell you how many, uh, how many downs uh, you can have, or how many uh, you know how many minutes in a quarter, and it's um, but you learn you learn those things you assimilate and you you strive to to be part of the American experience. What do you make of recent developments in society that are polarizing to some degree? There has been there have been hate crimes against Asians. There has been an effort to carve Asian Americans out, sort of of the rest of minorities and set them aside and say they have different opportunities and advantages. How do you see this going 
at a society level, this is, you know, different time. I know it's a uh, it's hard. Racism. I've seen racism everywhere in my life. Uh, you know, in in uh, in Asia, you know, the 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 Vietnamese hate the Chinese. The Chinese hate the Japanese. Then you go to Africa in Niger. They hate the uh, they hate the Tuaregs. It's a nomadic tribe in Madagascar. They hated the Indians. The Greeks hate the Turks. I mean, there's there's hatred everywhere from the first generation human beings, right? I mean, uh, Cain didn't murder Abel because he loved him. It's because of hatred and, and jealousy, and so um, that's that's a that's a sin issue in the heart, and that's something that it's very hard to legislate morality, uh, especially w when you take God out of the equation. Um, but we'll always look for a way to to hold somebody down, and I just hope that us we as a country can can look at each other and say, you know what, um, you're different, I'm different, but at the end of the day, we're all Americans. You know, and that's what I hope the left will do, stop label labeling me, but call me an American. I, I served and fought for this country for 25 years in Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, and I think I've earned the right to be called an American. And then my last question, do you think some of the sentiment is driven by jealousy? Certainly every race has people who achieve and people who don't achieve, the whole spectrum. But in general, there's a perception that Asians as a whole may do better at certain things um, than, than some others. Do you think the idea to s separate them and to make sure they're not, again, taking all the positions at Thomas Jefferson, is that, is that out of a sense of jealousy or what? I think it is. I think it's jealousy. I, mean, I remember when we first came to this country, uh, kids would say, you know, your dad, my dad says that you guys come over here and take all the jobs. Like, but for us, it's like we took the jobs that no one really wanted. You know, I had, a, I had, a, had an uncle who was a three, very famous three-star general in Vietnam. He commanded the, the probably the most uh, tumultuous uh, area in Vietnam during a war. And the first thing he did when he came over here, he swept the, um, the floor at the metro stops. He swept, I mean, he went from a three-star general to sweeping the floor. Now he rose back up. He fought to... to to pull himself out of poverty and, and uh, you know became very prominent, but uh, you know it is jealousy when you see somebody have so, have something you don't have. And like I said, I think it's a sin issue, it's a heart issue, and it's not going to be government that fixes it. It's going to be have to be the community and the church that teaches us how to how to love each other and, and see each other as Americans. Anything else you want to comment on about that whole topic? Gosh, uh, the big topic of you know sort of what's happening yeah it's just I think we we can if we can look at each other as as hey we're all Americans you know in the Marine Corps they always look at people as different shades of green right dark green marine light green marine and because they they want to see that every Marine's green I've always loved that growing up and, and seeing that in the Marine Corps um, even though I was in the Navy you know, it's, it's one of those things that I really loved about the Marine Corps is that they see each other as shades of green and and if you remember back in the days we used to to say hey you know, stop trying to um, look at each other differently, and and somehow we've gone back to to trying to separate people for for different reasons, and also everybody wants to now be a minority, right? I mean, I think that's why there's a lot of uh, well, I'm the first this, I'm the first that, I'm I'm a uh, I don't know, it just all, all the different uh, from from transgender to to I I. I identify as this race or whatever it means just everybody wants to be special and different and minority but at the end of the day we can just see ourselves as americans i think we will start healing a nation if you're interested in this topic you'll want to listen to my other podcast this week full measure after hours i have interviews with 
an Asian American former student of Thomas Jefferson, who thinks that too many Asians like her were admitted to the high school. And we will speak with a black parent of a Thomas Jefferson student who says the merit based admission system is the way to go, even though few blacks were admitted under the merit based system. But he objects to what he calls the racial gerrymandering to cut out Asians. My full story on all of this will be on my TV show, Full Measure, Sunday, April 16th. To find out where you can watch, you can go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab for a list of stations and times. Also, it'll tell you how you can watch online at fullmeasure.news, where you can watch replays because we post this stuff free online after it airs on TV. Eyeshadow has come a long way since you swiped on one color at a time or practically had to take a master class in cosmetics to get the shading right. Hi, I'm Star, owner of the Lemonade Mermaid, and I've designed an exclusive shade-shifting multi-chrome pigment for eyes that's like no other you'll ever see. Just swipe it on your eyelids and the magic happens. Depending on the angle and light, it shifts between hues of gold and pink, or green and pink, and even purple and gold. The shading is done for you. Just $25 for a jar that will last you months. My website is store.lemonademermaid.life. And listeners of this podcast can get 20% off these incredible pigments by using the checkout code PODCAST. I hope to see you at store.lemonademermaid.life today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and if you did, you'll leave a great review and share it with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, for more original reporting and interviews on off-narrative topics that powerful interests often try to censor. It's never been more important to support independent reporting. You can do that by going to the CherylAckison.com website, click the Store tab, and browse our great products The most popular new slogan that I have on products there is, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All the old ones came true. Proceeds support causes like the Cheryl Atkinson Ion Awards, giving cash awards recognizing and encouraging independent off-narrative reporting by college students and professionals. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. 